I'm in the home of Gino Baldini, one of the last, very last partisan commanders uh, still alive in Italy. How did you become partisans or, or why? Was there one particular moment or one particular incident that made you stand up to fascism? As I said, that um, she grew up in a, in a socialist, in an anti-fascist family. Mm. She started at the age of 14. Uh, so what she says is that her, um, you know, her, her activity, like uh, the, the, the need to, 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 to do something, um, arose out of her family tradition. Her father and, um, and her grandfather were beaten up in a fascist raid in 1923 in which the man that street is named after, Inga, yep. was bludgeoned to death on that occasion. So that was a strong memory in the family. Another early memory is when she was 10. She was going to school and on um, 6th of January uh, all the children in, the, in, the in her class got a present, like a bag of treats. And uh, she didn't get one, so she asked her teacher to explain, and her teacher said, you, you won't get one because you're from a, a Bolshevik town and family. And she didn't understand <coughs> what it meant, because it's, the, the word sounded like when, you're, when you have a cough. So she went, to, she went home and asked her father to explain, and her father told her, no, Bolshevik means uh, the Russians and the revolution, and that's why you didn't get uh, your bag of treats in school. Um, it all started uh, after the, the, the 8th of September 1943 when uh, the armistice was signed by uh, the new Italian government after Mussolini with the Allies and the, the army was left stranded without any orders. Gino was in Trieste at the time, he was serving with the Carabinieri and he had a chance to get in touch with the, the Yugoslav dressing and um, uh, starting their fighting civilian clothes. But he, he held on to his uh, Carabinieri uniform because he knew that that uniform was still respected by the German Nazis. Because at the time, in the early stages, the Germans would still trust the Carabinieri. By holding on to his uniform and his weapons, he managed to go back from Trieste to his uh, village on the mountains uh, at the back of Brescia, Saviore dell'Adamello. He got in touch with the local Garibaldi brigade and, uh, and that's how his partisan activity started. Did your families support your decision to become partisans? Did they, did they agree? Because obviously it's very dangerous and your families could be persecuted or, or murdered by fascists. Gino was telling me that when he went back home, he started organising a band with them. His family knew about it. Uh, Gino says that that is what his family was expecting from him, so they were very ah. supportive of his decision. Mio papà è morto che avevo dieci anni, perciò non c'era, c'era la mamma. Elsa lost her father when she was ten, so when the war started, 
and when resistance started. She was living with her mother and a brother and a sister. Her brother was already involved in the NICO group set up by uh, Don Angelo Bianchi. And uh, Elsa is saying that uh, she never openly spoke with her mother about what she was doing. Her mother knew about her son's activity and uh, she, she could hear Elsa typing out orders for the partisan bands in the evenings. She never asked, but she must have known. Elsa used to hide her small uh, typewriter in a tin box in their chicken coop. <laughs> she, she kept it there. And that's another thing that uh, her mother must have noticed. Did you always know you would come out having been on the right side of history? Gino was saying that as soon as he started his armed uh, activity, his commitment was very strong. So he also says that he never actually had any doubt that what he was doing was, was right, was the right thing to do. Particularly after they started to witness German Nazi violence. So the idea that you had to get you know, your land free from yeah. a foreign invading army added to their traditional anti-fascism. So there was another motive added in a way. After liberation, you, you liberated your country, you defeated Mussolini, you fought the Nazis. Did you feel that Italy was grateful to you? Did you feel when you did you feel after the war that you were given enough respect? No, no, absolutely. Uh, straightforward, no. She has been a messenger. She was a messenger for three different rebel bands. Um, the socialist, the Catholic and the communist groupings. Uh, and these, ironically, a source of uh, some of her problems after the liberation because she wasn't trusted by any of these three groups. The communists consider her a Christian Democrat. The Catholics um, wouldn't trust her because she had served for the communists. And the socialists didn't trust her. She wouldn't be allowed to work in an office. The only job that she could get was as a worker. She believes that um, more than the Italian state, it was the Allies who gave her the best uh, recognition, like uh, they got a diploma signed by General Alexander. Some recognition by the Italian authorities started only 10 years after the liberation in 1945. Gino's experience is a bit different. Having been in the, in the partisan police, he was immediately drafted and employed in the new police, keeping an eye on the fascists held in the castle in Brescia and escorting them to court as they were tried for their, for their crime. That uh, stopped with the amnesty passed by the then Justice Minister Palmiro Togliatti. Uh, the, the people that he had seen being sentenced to prison terms were freed. So they started uh, seeing fascists um, you know, openly going about their business and uh, that was a humiliation. 
First of all, was it worth it? And would you do it again? Gino's reply is that yes, it was definitely uh, worth it. It was the, the right decision. He says it's the only possible decision that I could have that I could have taken. So yeah, I would do it all over again. Many things have happened since uh, the, the country was freed, but uh, there is uh, one thing that you can't ex escape: that we achieve freedom, yes. we achieve the liberation. So that's you know the proof that what we did uh, was right. Elsa also says that she it was definitely worth doing it. Another thing that she says is that it's important to keep this memory up. Yeah, so absolutely. that's what she'd been doing for the past 50 years. She started very early to meet school kids, actually as young as 10, because she believes that it's important to start from a very young age to tell them what, what resistance was about you know, to always be careful because what, what has happened can happen again. We are with Romano Colombini. He was a, a messenger in the green flames around Brescia. And during the insurrection on the 26th of April, 1945, Romano was dispatched with a submachine gun and three hand grenades to hold a house which the partisans had seized. He spent three whole days there alone until he saw the Allied tanks enter in the city. What was it that made you want to join the armed resistance? He uh, slowly made up his mind. He was very young, yeah. like when yeah. you know when the resistance started in 1943. He was a school kid, and he um, he had been making up his own mind, but he was also. Um, he, he also found around him people who helped him uh, reach the conclusion that democracy simply was better than dictatorship. When you joined the, the partisans, how did your family react? No, non hanno mai saputo della mia. No, uh, he was careful not to let his family know, so they never actually knew that he was involved uh, until after the 25th of April after Liberation Day. I read in a small biography that you held a house for three days armed with machine gun and, and hand grenades. That must have been very scary. He was saying that he was not particularly scared. He was actually feeling full of energy yeah. because he knew that Liberation was near. What kind of country did you want Italy to be after the war? He was focusing on the immediate goal of achieving freedom, but he also had um, a very clear idea of what he was expecting, and basically he, he was expecting a society which would be totally different from the, the regime that he had been living in up until that moment. After liberation, when you were a free man, or boy, because you were still very young, yeah. how, did, how did people around you react to what you had done? 
The general attitude from the people around him was positive, like he was regarded as having done the right thing again, because Romano says there was this general sense of hope for a better future, so he felt very much part of it and he felt that the attitude of others towards him was, uh, yeah, positive. Do you think, looking back, it was worth it? And would you do it again? Yes, yes, no doubt. And he would do it again, and he also feels that even if the context has changed, he's still doing it, like he's still renovating that choice in everything that he's doing from day to day, even now. And that's why he is uh, active in the yeah. Partisans Association. How do you view Europe now, where we see perhaps very similar strains of that ideology of fascism? Looking at the future. Mi preoccupa. Mi preoccupa molto. Uh, yeah, he is very worried about uh, what he's seeing uh, all over Europe, and uh, he finds what you said particularly. Um, interesting, like he agrees with you that, and that's something that, that's been worrying him a lot, that there are people, that there are ideologies that are reinventing fascism. So he's very worried about that, yeah. And so you may have to do it all again. Did you keep that Sten gun? <laughs> <laughs> We're in the home of uh, Lina Tridenti, adjutant to the commander of the Ortigara, Ortigara division? Divisione Ortigara. And they were the green flames, they were partisan. How and why did you become a partisan? What happened in her case was basically the return of her brother from Russia. She didn't grow up you know, politically minded family and uh, she went to school of course and she believes that like uh, many of her of the other children in school she was sort of brainwashed by, by, by her teacher. Her brother was drafted and sent to Russia. He survived and, and, and came back home and after that he said no more war, no more fascism because after what he witnessed on the Eastern Front he wouldn't have anything else to do with, with fascism. So he had to abscond, like he had to go on the run at that stage. And he told her, uh, I'm meeting the partisans, and she was scared because she was used to, you know, the propaganda portraying the, the rebels as bandits. So she told him, uh, why are you, you know, mixing up with bandits? And, uh, and he said, if you want, you can meet them and you will see with your own eyes. When you joined the partisans, were your family happy or were they scared or were they angry? Lina and her brother decided to inform their mother because they knew that she would be sympathetic to their uh, choice. So they did. Their mother didn't, you know, try to stop them, but she was worried. She was very worried also because they were living at the time in a little home attached to a, a country school. Her mother was in charge 
of the school and she was particularly um, worried not only about her family but also about the school and the, the village she was uh, concerned that having you know partisans hanging around the house would put the whole community in jeopardy yeah. in danger yeah. So she, the only thing that she said, she told them, please be, be very careful. And they tried to be, but of course soon other partisans started uh, hanging around the house and showing up for short meetings or, you know, meeting them just outside their home. So it, when it became dangerous, they decided to look for another base. Combattere, lottare. She didn't, she wasn't particularly scared, she didn't, you know, run into any particular uh, dangerous situation up until the time when they were discovered, when her band was discovered by the authorities. So that was basically the end of it. Uh, one of the um, leaders of the band was arrested, beaten up, seriously beaten up. He was mm, taken to <coughs> the, the, the village, the center of the village during a, a religious function and shown to the people he was badly disfigured just to scare the, the rest of the people. So that was the, the, the beginning of the end of their band. What kind of country did you envisage Italy becoming after the war? What she wanted was the end of the dictatorship. She didn't want to live under a regime again, and uh, and that she wanted freedom. That was she was dreaming of. She was hoping she would uh, achieve. Did post-war Italy match up to your expectations? Yeah, the first three months were perfect, like because the first three months where uh, Italy was, um, particularly the north, was um, ruled by the partisans. Very soon, disagreements started and uh, suspicion, particularly between the non-communists and the communists, to put it plainly, and uh, and that created a lot of divisions from from very early in the day, like after three months or so. Uh, Lina was saying that at some stage she was actually threatened. She was threatened to be executed by the communists because she was, of course, she had been fighting with with a Catholic Catholic division, a Christian Democrat inspired division. Considering the the country that we are looking at now, mm. we're living in. Uh, no, that's definitely not the, the type of society that she envisaged. In uh, Vicenza, in Veneto, uh, there was, I mean, it was established and it, it is still there, a huge military, a US military base. Yeah. And that caused tensions from the, the, the very beginning after liberation because, of course, the, the, the American servicemen had money, had cars, they were bullies. Over, overall, did you did you feel that you have been given enough credit for what you did? After the years of 
Um, Lina says, yes, uh, particularly after a few years, uh, once all those tensions uh, stemming from this division, uh, non-communist, communist, had a bit died down, um, she started uh, telling her, her, her experience and uh, writing, she wrote articles, she published books, she started speaking to school children, etc. And, um, and at that stage, then she started receiving some form of appreciation yeah. from, from the other person for what she had done. Do you ever question whether it was all worth it? She never actually thought that he, she had done the, the wrong thing. Actually, she was always convinced that she, did, she had done the, the, the right thing and she would do it again, yeah. I wanted to add that she she put the same enthusiasm that she put that she had put in her partisan activity in her teaching work because she was a teacher after the liberation and uh, and, and she uh, she says that in her in her view education is so important because that's the only uh, way that you can use to have responsible citizens. We're in the home of Rosie Romelli. Rosie was a messenger with the 54th Garibaldi Assault Brigade. You are very, very famous for... A, there is a photograph of you that is very, very famous. Rosie, how did you become a partisan? No, she didn't really have any other option because she grew up in an anti-fascist family and her earlier memories are when she was in primary school and uh, her day at school would be, you know, standing in the morning in front of the photographs of Mussolini and the king of Italy of the time. And uh, her teacher would ask, uh, actually demand that the, the children um, give um, a fascist <coughs> salute to the king and the duce. Mm. So she resented this lack of freedom this type of education and uh, even more than her, her father was a known anti-fascist and uh, the fascists and uh, the Nazis uh, were keeping watch on him so he was, const he was constantly um, uh, at risk of, of, of uh, arrest. So uh, that's the family she grew up in. Her father, after the, the armistice, uh, 8th of September 1943, started discussing and getting together with other like-minded, um, you know, friends and uh, neighbors. And they uh, finally decided to take action because they had, uh, you know, a different idea of society. They wanted to achieve freedom and they knew that the only way to achieve freedom was to get together and, uh, and take on the regime. Rosie's father and his comrades used to meet in the, in the stable, in the village itself. But then they soon realized that it, that was too dangerous and it would put uh, their families and the town itself uh, in danger. So they just took to the mountains, they walked and found a base for themselves on the mountains and basically they went on the run. Her father though would um, come down to the village from time to time just to spend the night with his family. And in one of those occasions, uh, the fascists came, knocked on the door around midnight. That was in, uh, in early 1944. And her father, uh, Rosie's father, uh, knew immediately there was something wrong. So he left uh, the room through the roof and he walked on the roofs and 
run for the mountains. So he managed to to walk free, to run away. Rosie's mother gave him uh, a few minutes and then she went to the door, she opened the door and there were three fascists pointing their rifles, their, their, their shotguns at them. And, and, and they asked her, where's your husband? And she said, I haven't seen him in a week. But of course they knew, you know, yeah. they knew better. So they walked up to the bedroom and they saw immediately that the sheets were turned in on both sides. So they felt the bed and it was warm on both sides. And they, okay. and they said, yeah, sure. You haven't seen him for, for, for a week, of course. Where is he? And she didn't answer. So they told her, he's managed to, to walk, to, to run away now, but we'll get him. At that stage, there were lookouts in the town looking after Rosie's family, and they informed uh, them, and they informed uh, Rosie's father, Luigi, that his family was in danger. So he made uh, the decision and asked them to join him, so they, that they had to leave their, their home in town and, and to take to the mountains as well. And that's how actually Rosie became part of the band on the mountains. She was saying that life on the mountains was very, very hard. So they, they were sleeping outside, like they didn't have a proper um, house or you know place to, to sleep. In, in constant fear of raids, because the fascists and the Nazis would raid the villages and, and the mountains in search of the, the rebel bands. On one such occasion, they surrounded this little village and demanded that the priest ring the bells. So when the people heard the bells ringing, they knew that something was up, that it wasn't just normal. So they went to the, the main square, the little square on the village, and they found it full of uh, fascist and Nazi troops with the officer in charge on his horse. And he told all the people, all your partisans will be arrested and uh, you will, f the next time you see them, they had, would have been, will have been shot against that wall. C'erano i fascisti tedeschi a requisire che cosa? Armi, quello che potevano, armi e anche parte At first it was mainly sabotage, they would sabotage yeah. all um, routes of communication, roads and the, the railway line. And so that's how uh, the, the fascists and the Nazis started raiding the mountains. To, the, to, to dismantle those bands. And of course, they had, the, the brigade had their, their messengers and their lookouts, and uh, as soon as uh, the messengers heard and knew that the raid was being prepared, they would be informed, and they would have to take everything they had and move somewhere else. Rosie, were you always convinced you were right? Never really had any doubt about it. And the main reason for that, uh, Rosie says, is that her father was such a source 
of inspiration and energy for herself, for, for her mother. They felt his passion and they knew that he was right. And, and then again, uh, they had, like Rosie, if she was so young with her experience in school and everything, she had felt what it, what it meant not to be free because she, as she was saying, we might think that something was white, but the regime told you that you had to consider it black. But they knew that it wasn't black. Still, they had to play along and obey their, their, or the orders. The only thing she says that um, she thought about very often is she wondered how that all would end. Like she said, we're fighting, but uh, what will our fight lead to? That was something that bucked her mind in a way, but that was the only thing. For the rest, she never had any doubt that she was doing the right thing. What did you want for Italy after the war? What sort of society <coughs> did you want to live in once the war was over? She didn't have an excited idea. One thing she knew was that she had had enough of all that oppression and uh, the dictatorship and she was looking forward to a society, a situation in which she would be entitled to her own opinion. She would be free to think and act according to her own opinion. How were you perceived by Italian society? How were you perceived by people that you had been a partisan, that you had been an anti-fascist, you had been part of an armed resistance movement? How did uh, neighbours, friends and wider Italian society react to you? She didn't really perceive any particular attitude towards her, any admiration or gratitude or whatever, not even blame. Like what she remembers that there was a widespread sense of joy and liberation, particularly the fact that the war was over, of mm. course. And uh, a lot of people are looking forward to, uh, to a future of democracy, of freedom. So she says that, no, she couldn't quote anything like, like that, like in terms of uh, attitudes towards herself. Also because just after the, after the liberation, a lot of people who had taken part, active part, chose not to talk about it that much. Really? So yeah, a lot of uh, decades went by before they, they started talking about and going to school. Annie says that she's been um, meeting school children for about 20 years now right. and she says that she's always mm, met with an amazing response. She's always found school children very, very attentive and uh, very often they would be extremely moved by what she was telling, uh, particularly about the time when she was held and questioned by the, the fascist police. And that was uh, the attitude that she always found by the children and from the children and the, and the teachers as well. What, what about the children at school whose parents have fascist beliefs? There have, been, uh, there have been occasions in which um, the teachers told her, oh, well, this kid, you know, mm. uh, his parents are fascists, uh, extreme right, far right. But uh, it never happened that, I mean, even in those, in those cases, uh, those kids would just listen to her. So nothing's, you know, nothing no, bad no, happens. And who knows, you may change someone's life. <laughs>
Dice, magari in qualche volta hai contribuito a, a, ad aiutarli a cambiare ad idea, aiutarli. insomma. Speriamo. <ride> uh, you ever ask yourself, was it worth it? And would you do it again? She says, um, yes, absolutely. Um, absolutely, uh, she, she believes that it was uh, definitely worth doing it. And, uh, and she would do it all over again. Even if it was extremely hard, a very hard life, the simple fact of finding a place to, to lie and, and sleep, sleep at night, uh, when they were um, stationed at a certain, at certain height, they would still find some, you know, shacks used by the, the shepherds. So they would have a, a, some roof above, over their, yeah, some shelter, some roof over, uh, above their, over their head. But when they had to um, climb the mountains because uh, they were at, at risk of, of being raided, they would be sleeping under pine trees. So what they would do, uh, they would uh, gather stones, and make a bed of stones and then get moss and cover those stones with moss so it would be extremely wet and then they would put their blanket the only blanket that they have upon it and the blanket would be their mattress and what uh, the only thing that they um, could use to wrap their, uh, themselves in so it's very hard they would get up in the morning completely drenched and they wouldn't have any you know uh, dry clothes to, to change into, so it was, a, it was very, very, very hard. Mm. But it was worth it. Absolutely. Mm. 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 Mm.